Welcome to Marvin Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. In today's message, I'll be talking about the importance of the Great Commission and Jesus' call to the church to go into all the world and make disciples. Marvin Church has a great legacy of commitment to worldwide missions, and today we celebrate the inspiration of our great mission to reach the world for Christ. Let's join in as the message is already underway. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Lord God. In this moment, we pray that your Holy Spirit may come and fill our hearts, that you might speak through me even in this moment, that you would hide me behind the cross, that the words that are spoken might be pleasing in your sight and edifying for your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, great coaches know that before the team leaves the locker room, before going out to the playing field, the last thing you want to tell them is what you want them to remember and what will be most encouraging to them. And certainly Jesus has similar thinking as he is about ready to depart after his three, well, 33 years of life and three years of ministry, after his death and resurrection, he is about to be ascended back to be with the Father in heaven. And he is going to give one last command to his disciples gathered there on a high mountain place there in Galilee. He will say to them, go and make disciples. We know this is the Great Commission, those familiar words. Go into all the world, making disciples, teaching them what I have shown you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That is the Great Commission for which Jesus would tell his disciples, it is now your turn. I've invested three years of my life in full ministry to you. You've watched me heal. You've watched me perform miracles. You've watched me pray. You've watched me teach in the synagogues. And now it's your turn. It's your turn to take what we've been doing in this 90-mile radius and take it to all the world, all the world. And we know that the Great Commission has another place found in Acts 1-8, as Jesus would say to his disciples, recorded by Luke, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to all the ends of the earth. Okay, guys, it's time to take what's been going on here, what you've been observing, what I've been training you for, and take it to all the world. And friends, the greatest testimony of a life with Jesus is to say that we want to be a part of Jesus' bold vision to take the gospel message to the entire world. And that's what we're celebrating today in a moment as we commission this Tanzanian team. But most importantly, it's something that we celebrate that we've been doing here internally in our city in Tyler, Texas during Mission Week. It was Reinhold Niebuhr who says, it's, it's very easy for a group to get together and even have a grand vision, but over a while, it doesn't take long before they begin to start looking at self-preservation and also self-protection. 
Well, I'm here to say that after watching you all and the thousands of hours that have been put in through Mission Week and all the things that Brandy described for you before the offertory statement today, those things were great things done for our community. And we have loved this community, and I'm so thankful for 35 years of Mission Week history that has been something that says every year we will love and bless our community. Every year we will go out under the bridge and we will feed meals to the homeless and worship with them. Every year we will go out and we will, we will make senior box lunch boxes for, for, for food bank to bless those and do meals on wheels. Every year we will take an impoverished home where there is a lot of deterioration lumber and we will do a, a great fixer-up work in just a few days and let me just say this the woman whose home we repaired this week what a blessing she was at their celebration dinner on Friday night and she said to me this is the first time in a long time Garth hear this this is the first time in a long time when it has rained and you know how hard we the rain we got on Friday it's the first time I haven't had to put bowls down on my floor to capture the water that was coming through the ceiling great work Great work, team, for all the repairs you did to replacing the whole back of the house. Just one among many things that were done because you take seriously the idea that the church is not here for ourselves. The church is here to extend the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ to all in our community and also those who are in the world. And Mission Week is just a small example of what is happening all throughout the year through in-kind giving and serve nights and our Marvin Menders, our great day of service, countless hours that are occurring when people are volunteering with our mission partners. It's happening all the time, but what a joy to watch it happen in one condensed week with over 300 people loving and serving the Tyler community. Great job, Marvin Church. Proud to be your pastor and know that you are proud for the work that was done because Christ is being formed in you. And you have a vision. You have a vision to love the community because that's the purpose and the role of the church. You know, I was uh, I go, wanted to be reminding us today as we talk about going out into all the world that it is both deeds and it is our words. And so thankful that this last spring that Mark Donaldson with Leanne Donaldson did a seminar on Wednesday nights about how to have spiritual conversations. Many of you were a part of that. It was just a great reminder. It doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be a formula or a tract or something to make someone uncomfortable. We simply want to love the people in front of us, even though they are not believers yet. And I love what I heard this week. One young man said, we're not in a post-Christian culture. We're in a pre-Christian culture. And I love that. We need to be thinking about as America is going through this time where more and more people are not in church or not claiming a faith in Jesus Christ, that by our witness, by our love, by our relationships with them, we can have a spiritual friendship and we can naturally talk about our love for Jesus Christ, our love for the church, our love for the kingdom of God and allow that to just flow out of us naturally as it is invited into their lives. So friends, we are going. We are going outside of these walls. And that's that first word to focus on this idea of going. For the disciples, it meant, yes, leave this proximity. This 90-mile radius where Jesus has been teaching, 
Leave this area and go into all the world because the gospel message needs to go to every last person that lives and breathes on this earth. And that work is still continuing. We celebrate that Matthew Nokus, who is on our team going to Tanzania uh, tomorrow, he is one who planted a church just last year for the Daiso people, a people group who had never heard of Jesus Christ. And now there is a church there. We're going to talk about that in just a moment because that church will be visited by our team while we are in Tanzania. I want to just share with you, not only it is by our words, but it is uh, by the deeds that we do and by going. And remember that going can mean even though you're in your workplace, even though you are in your schoolhouse, even though you might be in your neighborhood or wherever you might be. Going is a greater growth of vision my growing into the vision of Jesus Christ to reach the world with the message of the gospel. So we will be leaving uh, tomorrow at 3.30, and we will be boarding a plane, and we will be flying to Tanzania. Get this, we will be arriving on Wednesday morning at 2.15. Get a little shut-eye, catch up on some sleep. We on Wednesday will tour the facility of Amazing Grace Church. We'll see the construction that is happening there. We'll do all the preparations, and 100 pastors and leaders will gather on Thursday, Friday, and on Saturday for the training, a discipleship training. Because, friends, not only are we going, we are making we are making disciples. That is what Jesus has called the church to do, to make a disciple. Make a disciple like Bahati John, who was converted from ancestry worship and was one of Alfred Najao's first converts. Be converted like Myoami or Suima, who came out of the Muslim faith and are now members of the Amazing Grace Church there. And when we gather with them on Wednesday morning, there will be six, count it, six baptisms along with Alfred Najao's son, Marvin, who will be baptized. We are going to be making disciples. Now let's talk about what does it mean to learn. What are some of the learning methods? What, how do we make a disciple? What does that actually mean? Well, let me just say this to you all. We learn by listening. We learn by writing and taking notes. We learn by watching what others do. And there must be an opportunity also for us to put into practice that which we have watched others do. All this within this creative, uh, I would call a feedback circle of the body of Christ, whereas we train up people who are in dialogue with others who are on the similar pathway. Think about it. Jesus taught the multitudes. He then would pull the disciples back and he would have discussion with them about the things that he had taught, the parables. He would give further explanation. He would say, you have been watching me teach. You've been watching me heal. You've been watching me cast out demons. And now it is your turn. And there was a time when he sent them out for them to do the work, and then he called them back so they could debrief what they had experienced. That is how experiential learning takes place. And friends, there are too many people in the church today who are overeducated and underdeveloped. 
overeducated. They have heard plenty of sermons and plenty of great Sunday school lessons, but they have not been developed as a true disciplined learner, a disciple of Jesus Christ. The life-to-life curriculum that we're taking with us, that Gina and I wrote, it is very experiential. They will learn about the importance of worship. They'll be talking about questions about how they worship. They'll be sharing their faith stories. They will be talking about God's story. How do you present the gospel to another person? They'll be learning about different ways to pray that are in this book that has been translated into Swahili. They will actually, in small groups with us, be able to practice prayer exercises, practice doing Bible study together. They will learn about spiritual gifts. They will learn the importance of serving in the church using your spiritual gifts. They will learn the importance of being in community, and they will experience community as they pair off with one another and actually practice discipling one another. Our goal is to train up the next generation of people. It's happening in this church, and now it'll, I'm pleased that it will be happening in Alfred Najjal's church in Tanzania, Africa. Billy Hanks, leader of Becoming a Disciple-Making Ministry, talks about the importance of training. And he, he talks about this, this shocking picture that I saw at one of his training events of a swaddled baby that's on a park bench, all swaddled but there with no adult around it. Can you imagine if you saw that on a park bench, a swaddled baby by itself? And his, his shocking illustration was that is what we do to people who come into the church No one comes alongside them to nurture them. No one comes alongside sometimes to care for them, to lead them, to teach them how to pray, to teach them how to read the Bible, to teach them the importance of community, to disciple them, to invest in them, to mentor them in the faith, to invite them to a mission week activity, to ask them to take a spiritual gifts assessment. And that is what we're talking about. We're talking about training people to be a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ for the rest of their lives. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm getting on a plane tomorrow, and I am grateful that that pilot did not just sit in a classroom and listen to lectures on aerodynamics and how to fly a plane. I am grateful that that person eventually got into a small little plane where they had an expert pilot sitting next to him, a teacher and an instructor, and they observed and they watched how to fly a plane. They watched these aerodynamic principles in, in motion. They watched them move the wheel. They watched them move the rudders. And then it was their turn to get some training, and they began to do it while that person was what? Sitting right next to him, ready to help them out in case they were in any kind of trouble, and eventually graduated probably from small planes to larger planes, and then went into flight simulation, and then eventually would sit on the the, uh, right side of the cockpit before he became the captain and sat at the left side of the cockpit. That's the guy I want flying my plane, amen? And friends, in a post-Christian world, in a pre-revival America, we need mature Christians. We need discipled people who know what it means to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can't have what happens in America happen in Tanzania where there are just people comfortable sitting in the pews to to be fed a sermon every Sunday. We need workers. We need people to do a great work for Jesus Christ, and we need it to start here in in our country and in our church as it happens also in Tanzania. 2 Timothy 2.2 is one of our theme verses, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. 
That's the multiplication effect. And what I'm excited about, and I'll just confess to you, in the busyness of my schedule, in the 10 years that we've had this life-to-life curriculum, I have discipled six individuals. But what I'm beginning to see is those six individuals that I've discipled, two of them now are committed to discipling someone else. And what we begin to see is if we disciple someone with the expectation that they will disciple another person, you can begin to see the multiplication effect. So as we are baptized Christians, we must remember that through our baptism, we are marked as a Christian disciple to be a follower of Christ for a lifetime and to be committed to a community of faith. When was the last time someone asked you the question, what have you done because of your baptism? Friends, because of your baptism, God is committed to working in you. The church is committed to working in you, but you must also be motivated to continue to grow your faith and to become the mature person that Jesus Christ would like for you to become. We will teach over there, and I've talked about the teaching, the the sharing of faith stories, the sharing of the importance of worship, all of the things we will teach, we will make sure they also experience because we don't want those booklets and those Bibles that are being given to them to just go be placed on a shelf somewhere or placed in the corner of a home. Those things must be put into action, and we are committed to do our very best with your prayers to train up the next generation of followers in Tanzania. Let me share with you real quickly, Alfred Najal, when we begin to raise money for his church, he sent us a quote, and it said this, African ministry is very hard work, but God can make the way. The Dar es Salaam church ministry is one of evangelism versus darkness, Islam, and non-believers amid great poverty. He wrote those words 10 years ago. We've known and been in relationship with Alfred Najao now for about 12 years. But friends, about five years ago, the Amazing Grace Church was born as uh, more than five years ago, but the sanctuary was built, and then the fellowship hall, and then the preschool, and now we've given money for a primary school. And Matthew has gone over, and he has started a church for the Daiso people, and partners with YWAM, who went and stayed on the Amazing Grace property last spring, went and built a church for the Daiso people, and Alfred told me this week that the Daiso people now have a local pastor that is serving them, and that pastor came out of the Amazing Grace Church. Friends, do you see what's happening? Do you see the momentum? Do you see the growth? Do you see that he now has not only 100 people in ministry, he is staging ministry out of his church, not only partnering with YWAM, but reaching unreached people groups. And most importantly, we celebrate he is bringing 100 pastors and leaders from around the whole Uh, nation of Tanzania, friends, that's the size of Texas and Oklahoma together, some riding 20 20 hours on a bus to hear this training event that we will be a part of. Not only that, but celebrating the groundbreaking of the primary school and celebrating our relationship, loving and encouraging the pastors and celebrating the great joy of them loving us and showing their appreciation for all that has been done. You know, it's easy to determine when something is aflame, and I'm starting to feel a little heat right now. (laughs) But you know, the true sign of a fire is that it ignites something else. And there's too many churches in America today that are no longer burning anything. They're no longer setting off a spark or embers that create the movement of a fire that spreads. 
But I want to be a part of a church, and I want to be a part of a movement of God and the Great Commission that sends us to Tanzania to watch God burn through the power of the Holy Spirit and to see people become disciplined learners as they're trained to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to be a part of. And I'm encouraged by the words of Scottish missionary David Livingstone from the 1800s. He sustained some challenges in Zambia, had some losses, but he said, I always keep the Great Commission in front of me. And he ended with the words that I've read just a moment ago. Jesus said, I am with you always. And Livingston quoted, Jesus Christ is too much of a gentleman not to keep his word. As Christ is with us, let us therefore get on with the task of making disciples. Friends, in a moment, we will ask for your blessing and your prayers as you wear your armbands all week that you might be in prayer for us. But we are going, and we are going to be making disciples and training others to make disciples in their churches. We'll be celebrating six baptisms, and we will also, well, we'll be teaching them all we can in the limited time that we have. But we know most importantly of all, God is with us. This is not Doug Baker's vision. This is Jesus' vision of how he wants to reach Tyler, Texas, and how he wants to reach the world. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for your resources that have made this possible for this trip. Thank you for those who are going, and thank you for your prayers. We're going to need them, and we're excited about watching and bringing back reports about what God is doing. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 o'clock on our campus in downtown Tyler. God is doing some good work among us, and I don't want you to miss out. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope that you'll notify us.